Um, I want to dive right into this thing here. I want to start here with the base and how these two gentlemen have done it. They have 45 years combined of successful trading experience. Um, I think I mentioned it yesterday when I introduced Kevin. I literally don't have a conversation with Kevin where I don't learn something. This morning, me, Kevin, and Jeff went to breakfast, and I could see Kevin was picking Jeff's brain, and Jeff was showing Kevin stuff that, Jeff, um, that Kevin could use for his own trading. So we always learn from each other. The goal here for the next hour and a half is to try to take some of this information and some of this knowledge and share it with everybody here. Um, these two gentlemen trade a lot alike. As much as they look different and act different, they trade a lot alike. And one of the things they do trade is they trade with momentum, they trade with strength. And maybe, Jeff, you can start with that and talk about what you look for in a stock, what you look for before you'll, before you'll even put it on your hit list. Basically, uh, as a momentum trader, I'm looking to trade with the trend and pullbacks against the trend. Because momentum begets momentum. Stocks in motion tend to stay in motion, at least in the short run. Anything can happen in the market, but you've got an edge when you're trading with momentum and uh, in, in the short term. Okay. So what you're doing is you're identifying the strongest moving stocks out there first. Is that correct? That's right. And I do that by looking for stocks that have an ADX over 30. Basically, you, you don't need to be too formulaic about it. Stocks that are moving strongly from the lower left-hand corner to the upper right-hand corner are, are in the strong trend, okay? <laughs> and if they're above their rising 50 and 10-day moving averages, that's another uh, filter that you can use. Okay. And, and Kevin, you're basically the same thing. You're using moving averages. You're using relative strength. You're basically looking to where the institutions are buying. Yeah. I mean, my orientation is, is, is having dealt with on the institutional side for you know whole career, both from a position trader and from running a desk where it was you know, a large order flow. We dealt with three or 400 different institutions. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I tend to, I, I do stay, like to stay, prefer to stay with the big cap stocks, liquid stocks, because I, I do know the institutions will make those stocks good. They will, they will, if there's any chance and the story is still good, they will make those stocks good. And, uh, and if they do that, then the accelerators out there that live on the fringe of uh, following the institutions will even help it get there faster. And then when we throw in program trading, it gives it another acceleration phase. So I tend to stay there. Okay, now, now Jeff, you trade, you like to trade uh, fairly illiquid stocks. You don't have the same liquidity as, as Kevin's stocks do. Why is that? Well, about 50% of the trades that I initiate are um, big cap, liquid, juiced up stocks. But I also have had the good success trading thinner stocks, stocks that have anywhere from 300 shares to even a million shares now. Five years ago when I wrote Hit and Run. 300,000 shares. Yeah, 300,000 shares was like mine. Now even today, up to a million shares can be considered fairly thin. Um, when you see size bids and size offers on those stocks, you can get a nice move. So you're looking for the buyers to come into these stocks, and you figure if, they're, if you're right, they're gonna, you have a high likelihood of them moving two, three, four points very quickly. They move very quickly, whereas there's a lot more noise in the I2s and the NTAPs. Uh, they move strongly as well, but there's so many people all over the ECNs on those that there's, they're very herky-jerky. Okay. And, and you're risking about a point a trade still? On the thinner stocks, definitely, and on the uh, larger stocks, the big liquid stocks, I'm trying to risk a point, but obviously there's a lot of slippage on those, okay. but basically a point. And Kevin, you're, you're, in, you're in the bigger stocks, but you're risking less. Right, yeah, trying try, try to, try to do it that way and, and, and just stay, cut, 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 stay with the one that takes off. And rather than do one stock, do three, four, five, six stocks, cut, cut real tight and, and let the one go. Because I know I've had a lot of questions here. And now that you go in and do the homework and you do your setups and whichever your uh, procedure is, you find the stocks and you might find 20 stocks. 
you know, how do you know which one's going to go? Well, you don't know which one's going to go, so sometimes, unless it's really a, such a strong setup, but sometimes if you, you go in on smaller size, on three or four of them as opposed to one, sometimes you'll catch, you'll, you'll have, might have a better chance to catch a run, and sometimes that works. But I do have to add that not knowing Jeff until getting involved with TradingMarkets.com and working, you know, you know, doing a lot of institutional orders and working the floor, we, we were the largest, I had $92 brokers, and we were the large, probably the, the largest trader on the floor from an institutional standpoint. And it was always nice to know that when Jeff, when I was reading Jeff's steps in front of size, that I really didn't know Jeff. He was always stepping in front of our size, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on those, on those mid-caps, you know what I mean, those small caps, mid-caps, and Jeff and I have had this conversation, and, and it, it, there's no question about it. Those stocks like a potlash, right, the things where specialists don't really put their money, those kind of stocks, um, they get one-sided, and once they get one-sided and those buyers are there, they stay there, and what happens is the, the institutional say, just stay with it, bud, just stay with it, bud, and, and that's when he sits there and sees the bid, sees the bid all day, and, and then, of course, I've got to go in and the, whoever the trader was is covering whichever account they were covering, he's got to explain why some weasel's out there running them in, you know? <laughs> I, I, it I, does I, work. That's why I had to, at the point of that strategy, obviously it does. I, I had the privilege of um, a year and a half ago trading with Kevin for a day, and, or about a half a day, and it was, um, it was an eye-opener for me because uh, he had taken a position at the time, I think Merck was, what, 151 that day? And Kevin walked through a trade where he pieced in a 2,000 share position and risked 18 cents on the trade and showed me for about an hour and a half walking through this bid is real, this offer is not real, this is where I go. And it really was um, an amazing experience. But again, where Jeff is risking a point because he's in volatile stocks, Kevin is in a little less volatile stocks and he's risking, in this case, 18 cents to a quarter a point. And it stays that way. Is that, is that correct, Kevin? Yeah. Now, now with the volatility increase, obviously it spreads out. but. It, Never letting it go more than a half, and, and oftentimes taking half a position, um, and then and then buying less shares on the way up. Sometimes, if that's the case, but yeah, it's a little more volatile. So, and uh, but if the stocks, you know, the higher price stocks, more room, and then of course the other way around on the GEs with on these stocks that have split. Okay, good. I was just going to say, and really, that's one of the benefits of trading in the direction of the trend, and when stocks pull back and pivot back in the direction of the underlying trend, because when you're trading with momentum. If, it should, if a stock should be doing something and doesn't, you, you're, you're slashing your risk immediately and getting out. So that, that's, You can tell when it's doing something wrong. So, so, for example, you're looking for a stock to strongly trend up, you're looking for a small pullback, and then you're waiting for the trend to reassert itself. I'm waiting for the trend to reassert itself. Of course, in these kind of markets, a lot of times you'll find a stock that closes in a pullback, closes on its low, and it's compressed. It may open down the next morning. But if it pivots back strongly out of that, that's a nice setup. Too. So you're looking, but again, you're waiting for that momentum. You're waiting for the momentum to come back into the stock. Exactly. Okay. Um, do you want to show us some of the strategies? Jeff has some strategies here today that he's never made public before. These are the strategies that he's used over the past um, few months, which I guess has been a pretty good few months for him. Um, some of these he showed me on the day that, um, I guess it was about four weeks ago, on the Friday that we had that big reversal. And uh, there's some pretty good stuff. So why don't you go, Jeff? Basically, we can pass this chart. I just wanted to show when the market was turning here. Use this as a reference point. The NASDAQ stock, but if we can go to the chart, but if you can go to the next chart of Avicii. Uh, basically, hot IPOs are the heart and soul of speculative sentiment. And when the market turns up, often a recent hot IPO will explode. And when the market turns down, these hot IPOs usually have nowhere to go but down. They collapse. So is the market okay, bottoming? So, so, so let's stop again. Okay. This is, this is, so so this, this is a company that just went public. 
This is a company that went public in uh, late July. It was a hot issue. Yes. Okay. And um, you can see the market. If you look at the Nasdaq stock, uh, Nasdaq chart, the um, the market took off in early August, and Avicii had just gone public here. And you have a new closing high, a wide range bar, and you can see the obvious continuation. And it's my belief that markets often play out in threes. And you can see you get what I call a three-day spurt. And of course, here people that are familiar with the book, you get a uh, you get what I call a bubble oops open at the Gilligan, but when you see a, a real bubble move like that and an oops opening, gaps open higher and, and comes down and takes out the prior day's high, just, you get the beginning of a pullback. Okay. So how are you going to trade this? Well, I'm buying, I'm, I'm seeing this new closing high here, even, and I'm seeing this, this, the market is turning up, the dynamics of the market are positive, and I'm buying uh, on a move over this bar. Okay. And one of the ways you looked at that, though, was the wide range bar you looked at as buying coming in? Yes. You use wide range bars also? Absolutely. Yeah. So why? Why is that? Uh, because it's, uh, I look at the wide range bar, close above the midpoint, preferably in the top of the range, an increased volume. To me, that's you know, probably the strongest indication you can have that uh, the game is on. Okay. Okay. Um, see, the other thing, I, oh, also hot IPOs, I think the reason why uh, they're good to play um, off the dynamics of the market is because they, have, they carry a boatload of promise, and they've never burned investors. So they're, they're, they're real juiced up. And they're also thinly traded. They're also what? Thinly traded. Relatively speaking, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So they can, they can really move. Okay. Um, let's see, what else did I want to say on this? Uh, what, what does first mouse, second mouse mean? Say again? First mouse, Oh, first mouse, second mouse. You can see after the first pullback here, it had a... Um, it pivoted up again, and uh, it tested those lows, and you have a volatility set up here. You have some real narrow range bars. These two are inside of this range here, and uh, it was a test of these lows over here. So the market started up here. What I call the second mouse often gets the cheese. The second move is often the, the real move. You get the head fake first and the second mouse. The second move, often you get the real, um, the real profits. Okay, so you had two pullbacks here, then you had some contraction where the smaller bars happened and, and then you look for the breakup from there. Basically you have a two-step pullback or an ABC pullback, a okay. complex pullback instead of a simple pullback. Okay, okay, good. You want to go to the next one? If you want to look at an intraday chart of Avicii, a 10-minute intraday chart, what I'm showing here is what I call late-day geysers. It's basically Kevin's idea of the Slim Jim. You have a narrow range consolidation and I'm sure what most of you have found is that in the market, it seems to like the last two years, most of the action has been in the first hour and the last hour. But what's interesting is you have, again, three pullbacks in, during the day which held one, two, three. So it's not a one, two, three setup on the daily chart, but it's that same idea of three pullbacks intraday. And what's interesting here is this bar here undercuts morning action and it's it's what i'm doing is taking my daily patterns and applying them to intraday price action you have an undercut of this action here but once they try to flush it out they try to accumulate some stock maybe they were trying to shake the weekend once it took out this bar here look how it explodes and at the same time it's taking out the morning range 
So you really get a powerful surge. Okay, so you're, you're, you're stocking your stock. You've identified the stock. You're coming into the day knowing you're going to watch the stock. You have it up in your screen and you're looking at 10-minute bars and what's going on. And this is telling you a story. Well, what the daily chart does, it's an IPO. It's a hot IPO, so it's on my radar. Okay. The market dynamics are turning favorable. Second reason to keep it on the radar. Third reason is to set up the two-step pullback on the daily chart. And so if, if, if I wasn't keeping it on my, uh, on my screen intraday, I wouldn't have seen that. You, trading is not just about trading, as I was saying yesterday. Trading is a lot about watching and doing nothing and observing. And, and, and I think everybody should know there are, there are days and days and days where Jeff will watch a stock and nothing happens. You'll just sit there and this, an example like this That's could just correct. go by the wayside and you're back, I mean, you could end up doing nothing in this, in this I mean, stock. There, you have to understand, there are many times where I'm watching the stock, and the reason this comes about is because I want to do something here and I miss the stock, I'd be pissed off and I'd take it off my screen, yeah. and I'd miss many of these moves, so I learned to be patient. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds you learn from experience. Yeah. You find the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Except I don't have the same courage as Jeff in the IPOs, because it, I just, to me, I mean, obviously they fly and they do all that, but there's just, uh, there's too much noise for me on you know, the flippers and the institutions and they're flipping them out on the deals and what have you. So, like you say, if high octane move, get on board. I just shy away from them and stay with the other stuff more. Hard. It's, it's, it's momentum on steroids. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> Want to go to the next chart? Yep, I just lost something here, but... Uh, you can see we're all professional speakers here. That ought to work. Here's another hot IPO thrust and uh, that came public at the end of July. You can see early August here again, the market was turning up. You get a, um, the NASDAQ is beginning to run up to test the July highs here. And you see a new closing high after it comes public here, kind of a consolidation, and it takes off. You see a 15% follow through, you get another consolidation, and there you get one of the um, hit and run boomer setups. And it's interesting that uh, a lot of people are looking for stocks that close well, but particularly in narrow range stocks that close poorly. This stock has done nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, it's holding. Yeah. So if it's not going down, sometimes it's going up. Yeah, now, I would assume, go, go, go three bars back from the end, I would assume you're looking to take that breakout. You're probably making no money. You're going to scratch that trade. Is that correct? Right here, I'm looking to take this trade this day. Yeah. You know, because if I've missed this, which I probably have, I'm looking to go long here yeah. and probably not making anything. You're, you're probably scratching, yeah. Yeah. but I'm still keeping it on the radar. Well, one of the things that I've um, learned over the years and I've seen it, I, I saw it with um, the success that Linda Rashke had. I saw it the success that Jeff had. I see it with the success that Kevin has is that these guys know how to scratch trades. And what that means is they'll make an eighth, they'll lose an eighth, and they'll do this all day long. This could go on for days and days at a time, but then they're there for that one big move which may end up making their day, week, or month. And, and, and that pretty much describes your style, doesn't it? Well, that's right. I mean, I'm trying to make money every day, and usually I've been fairly fortunate in doing that, but there are a lot of scratches. I mean, I was saying yesterday, last night, that many times I pick up the phone and place the order, and as soon as I hang it up, I know I'm wrong, and I call up and say, sell it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th th there's too many people that just, and myself included, at times have allowed small losses to turn into big losses because I said, well, I'll just wait, I'll just wait, and then it moves against you, and I'll do anything. You guys get out quick. You guys know, okay, I'm wrong, I'm just going to take the small loss and move on. Correct? Do you want to add anything to that? Or? Uh, no, I, I just, I, I just want one thing here on the IPL, the chart before that, Jeff. 
this 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 wide this consolidation right at the bottom, the wide range thrust right here. The right. third bar from the bottom, keep moving right there. Next one. Yeah, that one. So and count those bars over. To me, keep going. That, everything you got what? One, two, three, four, five bar, four bars all within the range of the wide range bar. So that's right. The next two bars over. That bar right there, to me, is is, is the super do. That's because, right. Yeah, closes above four or five closes, makes a higher low. So all things being equal, as you said, the dynamics or what have you in the, in the, in the market. To me, that's, that's you know, my favorite entry is the first consolidation after a low. And because, it, you know, when you start seeing it, we have three bars in a row where one was basically a midpoint a little bit below, but above it. But when it reverses, it reverses uh, four highs and four closes and closes there, why not get on board? The direction is, it looks like it's changing. So if you get in, you're wrong. As Jeff says, you scratch, uh, say, see you later. And if it drops down, you might get second entry, but you know that. And that's I'm sure you all recognize what you have here. I didn't even see it when I put this chart together initially. You've got a little cup and handle, huh. ultra short term, mini cup and handle. There's over 10,000 publicly traded companies. How many hours a day after the market closes do you work to find your list for the upcoming day? Usually about an hour and a half after the close, and then an hour, 45 minutes to an hour then the prior morning. Your computer screens do all that for you, yes. as far as finding yes. the stocks. How long do you work? I know you go weekends too. <laughs> I get in early in the morning just to get out of the house, you know, around, about quarter. <laughs> Happens that way when you pass 40. But So, you know, I get in, get in early around uh, sometimes between 5.30 and 6 because that's quiet time for me. I just, I just work better when it's, it's uh, kind of eerie quiet and I'm able to go over a lot more. For instance, the intraday, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, daily and weekly and put it together, then go through all the trading market screens and uh, what have you. And then, I'm, then by, you know, 8.30, I'm done and I'm ready. Uh, to go, and then I don't have to rush. I find I do. I never do well uh, if I get in late and have to, you know, uh, put something together right before the opening or jump in. I never do well. Yeah. Let's go to the uh, ten-minute bar chart of Signalsoft on the, the breakout day. Here's a really, really tight narrow range slim jim, and this is August 31st. As you all remember, the market is running up to test the July highs. That was basically the top of the market before Labor Day, and. Those of you who are familiar with my commentary, I'm sure you all are. I was a little worried about a market that was running up from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day, a 90-day run. And uh, look what happens when you take out the morning range here. I mean, you don't need many of these to create a real solid profit picture if you just exercise a little patience and wait. Speculation is about observation. So that's about a 10% move from what? Those are 10 minutes. So 10 minute part here? Yeah. This is at uh, what time? 14, 20 here, so it's at 120. Yeah. And the no, 220. But it moves up over 10% in 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay, now where, where are you going to get in? Obviously, you're not getting in one tick above that high bar there. You're no. not, you're, you're not what, getting see, now, what's interesting here is a real kind of mini example of second mask. You're buying here. The market loves to fake you out. I'm buying right here. And I'm thinking I'm wrong real quick. And I may scratch that. Honestly, I may scratch that. But as soon as it's revalidating itself, especially quickly, I'm going back in and when I'm, it's proving itself right, I may double up. And I may have twice the size of the position I had buying over here. Because it, you don't know, it may be doing more of this. And where's your stop? My stop is going to be buying it back here, say, my stop is going to be right under that bar. I'm not so, even so waiting for it to take this You're out. not even going to risk the point. You're going to risk less. No, because if it's, if, it's, if it's a head fake, you see a lot of these, you could be right back down here very quickly. Okay. 
you know, because they, they try to run and gun the day traders in, yep. and you can be dead meat. Okay. Uh, the next chart here is uh, another hot IPO for us. This is August 31st again. You see IPO, consolidation, and uh, you get good continuation. Here's another three bar spurt, another little Gilligan, and uh, basically uh, the failure at the NASDAQ uh, at the July highs. These hot IPOs really have no base and they have nowhere to go but down. They collapse. So they're great short candidates. If you, if you can show me how yeah, they're, they're a good mirror on the market. They'll really tell you what the, what the speculative sentiment is, is what's happening out there. Okay, so again, you're looking for the pullback, the breakout. You follow the stock and you're gone. Yep. You're off to the races with that. Uh, let's go to the 10-minute uh, on this, on August 31st. I just wanted to show here, you have the morning explosion, and you have, nope, you have kind of a one, two, three pullback. One, two, three, swings down, consolidation, and you get the pattern uh, in the spirit of a kind of a cup and handle. You got to first move up to the test the highs, you got to pull bar back down, and when you break out, you see the strong thrust that's attacking the morning range and attacking these two highs, and you get afternoon follow through. Pretty simple. And once they start taking them up late in the day, there's usually no reversing them. So you're, you're, you're buying late in the day on these things. Pretty, pretty aggressively. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, on, on the, 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 and this is um, to give you some insight into Jeff's personality. I, there was a day, the day some of these examples where I knew Jeff had a big day because I know Jeff's style. And um, all Jeff wanted to talk about was he bought a stock late in the day. I think it was at one seventeen, and you got out about oh, yeah. four minutes later at one seventeen and an eighth, and it spurred up seven points from there in the last ten minutes of trading. And, and Jeff had a big day. All he wanted to talk about was how much money he had left on the table with that right. trade. And, yeah. I I had a I had a tremendous day. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to ruin it, so I got nervous in the service. Yeah, it happens a lot. That's all. I, and that's all I write down in my, my notebook, my diary. You know what I miss. I, ne I never write down the winners. Just what I miss. You know, when I, I would say when uh, Jeff mentioned the uh, second entry and maybe doubling up if you thought the second entry after you get the, the head fake. And in the over-the-counter stocks, especially if you're new traders uh, or you know, kind of kind of medium-term uh, traders, experience-wise, in your opinion. Um, uh, very often, if you just take, and I've gone, I've you know, looked at these stocks and watched them pretty closely, and it's very often you'll see, say they get 20 trades, if you, if you use a discipline of taking second entry only, right, the over-the-counter stocks, you won't do as many trades, but your ratio, your percent, winning percentage goes way up, that's and that's right. what Jeff that's was basically. Right. Does, does everybody know what second entry means that you don't want Kevin is talking about there? Does anyone want him to explain? Yeah. Well, Jeff, just what Jeff said, in other words, the first move out, and how do you know, then they give you a head fake, especially in the over-the-counter stocks, market makers and what have you, and everybody's in there trying to get something going. Uh, might be a hedge fund just trying to buy some stock to get it going, seize the pattern. So it breaks out, comes out, rather, goes right back into the formation or just below it, and then makes the move back out above the original entry. And uh, as Jeff says, he might double up on that, you know. And uh, you, you, you could easily get very cynical about it, but... It is what it is. You know, Dave Landry is also, he's done research on the same thing off of low volatility situations where he was waiting for things to break one way and for it to be the false breakout and then trading it on the other side. And again, like Kevin said, you end up with less trades, but you have a higher percentage of correct trades and you catch some of the bigger moves. This, let me just show one more thing here. This is important. To me, the, the innate structure of momentum trading is thrust, pause, and pivot. You have thrust, pause, and pivot. Thinking in those terms of thrust, pause, and pivot 
will put you on the right side of uh, the intraday trend and the daily. In, in, in a dynamic market like we had in the fourth quarter and first quarter, I'm holding a piece if it closes at the top of the range, especially if it's a new high ground. I'm probably holding a piece for a uh, looking for a strong pop up or lap, not lap up, a pop up opening or continuation the next morning. In the choppy market, I don't care how well they close, I'm not taking them over. If, if Intel can gap down and Vico can gap down, anything can gap down. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you and I first um, um, were introduced to each other, you were holding positions two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You could hold positions for that long. Two, three, and, four, yeah, eight. yeah, and, you're, yeah. and you just keep cutting back because of the volatility. Yeah, you, you're, you're even more so. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anything that goes home is with uh, was, is usually with options. Yeah, just they, they don't want to take the um, the exposure. So, okay. on the next one. I think this is the last hot IPO thrust, but very similar situation. You see the thrust and the pause. You get it inside of this large range day, and you may miss this day even if it's on the radar, but look for a continuation. Notice how you get a narrow, real small little bleed back here. You get a probably immediate continuation. And uh, this is up to the August 31st, August 31st high as well. And you got 30% 30, 30 follow through on this hot IPO thrust. I mean, those are, those are big returns. And again, three day spurt. Yeah, the same thing that, you know, you just find the, the behavior in the market repeating and repeating and repeating and let that reinforce you and, and give you some confidence. This is a new setup of yours, or this is a new strategy you use? I just wanted to show this is a this is a uh, an IPO, recent IPO as well. But again, just a complex pullback. And um, what told me to keep it on the radar here is the expansion of range here and the solid close verging on a new high close. You only have two closes that are higher than this, so this is a reason for me to keep it on the radar, even though it didn't close at the top of the range. There's still buying pressure here. And you get a little bleed back opening, and it looks like it's about 50%, maybe a little more than 50% of that range. That's a good inflection point, and uh, takes off. I noticed these charts are in August. We haven't had an IPO market since August, right? So, uh, hopefully soon. And this is, again, uh, of the same chart at the 10-minute intraday. And you see this kind of a cup and handle saucer here. And again, the late day guys are the late day breakout. Thrust, pause, and pivot. So even if you miss the first move, if you're late in the day, if it's not doing anything wrong, you know, look for that continuation. If they can't shake them out, if somebody, as Kevin said yesterday, if there's an institution or a hedge fund, if somebody really wants to own them, they got to own them before the bell. Yes. You want to go back? Where are you? Thrust here. Pause. Pivot in the direction of that thrust. Here. This looks like another thrust down. Right? Is another thrust. Absolutely. Thrust, pause, and, and to pivot back up in the direction of the trench. The trench, sure, it's another thrust. 
but it's a, it's a, it could have been a narrow range pivot too. You could have had four bars like that that just kept going, notching, uh, ratcheting up to the top of the day. Up here? Um, basically, there I'm probably honestly watching the market dynamics. At this point, there's been so, you know, it's been so hyper that I'm not using, I'm probably watching the level two and seeing if the bids build up, you know. Are, are you looking though, to enter right above the, um, that bar? The there I'm probably, to enter above there, I'm probably worried that I might be top ticking it. Yeah. So I'm just looking for bids to build up here and see if there's any continuation. Okay, so you're using the level two then to guide I'm me. using level two to guide me okay. on that. Late in the day like that after there's been so much momentum, if hey. I've missed this, and if it was an NYSE stock, you're looking for bids to come into the market? Correct. Okay. Here's a hot IPO complex pullback. You see a hot IPO here. You see a two-step pullback. And the test, this low here is 75 and a half. Test the low. And what's interesting here that puts it on the radar, this close is above the prior day's range. I think it missed by an eighth, actually. Um, and if you miss this here, you see the new high close suggests continuation. The gap up opening here suggests the idea of a real momentum day, a real trend day. That's what I call a momentum gap, a gap up to new relative highs that doesn't come right back in. It's not a, it's not a head fake, it's not a fake out. It's a momentum gap up and it sticks throughout the first half hour at least. It tells me that the buying pressure is probably legitimate. Okay, so you're looking for that close at the top of the range, the same way Kevin does with many of his yes. stocks. Yeah, yeah mostly, mostly, most, mostly because you have an opportunity to stop yourself out sooner, right? I mean, that's kind of a comfort factor. Shows, as I said, you know, when it closes up top, buyers won the match a little bit longer for whatever the reasons, and uh, you know, I, I just and, and right off the get-go, it, it sets you up for for a tighter stop or a scratch if the trade doesn't work. But when you get too narrow, like Jeff pointed out, that's 75 and three-quarter low. You got the two narrow-range bars. I call them kings and queens, even though they want long, ra wide range bars. But you know that's that reverse two closes, and as Jeff said, basically to uh, basically the other high of, a, of the whole range. So that was positive right there, and uh, and so an entry an entry down below where you have number A right above the high of that bar. Right. Is is that's you know, a, good entry. a great entry. You know? That's a good entry. And you know, just one other thing I'll say: most trade the markets turn on a dime. Most traders can't. If this stock had gapped up here and started coming back in. I may have just as easily shorted it for a scout. Here's a, the 10-minute bar chart. What you want to do is keep your 10-minute bar charts, not just from the day, not just watching the current day that's unfolding, but from the prior day, even maybe the prior two to three days. So here's the prior day, and you see that late uh, breakout here, and that's the momentum gap up that next morning. So you can see this took out a nice consolidation. So the chances that that gap up would show continuation was real because it wasn't running up and spiking up here and then you see the gap open. Give that again? Well, what I'm saying is that gap, that momentum, what I call the momentum gap open the next morning, had a good chance of success because the, break, the late day breakout from the prior day was very late in the day. It was showing momentum late in the day, so the chance of legitimate carryover and follow through was increased. The stock hadn't been running up from 11 o'clock, so there weren't a lot of pro there, there wasn't a lot of profit to take. Okay, so the buyers early. came in very late, late in the, the day. day. 
and you and, and that's going to tell you that they are likely to show it's suggested up continuation it's suggested follow-through you, you, you to like, me you agree you like it absolutely and, and what happens there when that when, when that does happen uh, anyone caught anybody caught uh, an institution that's caught with not having bought enough volume and is in trouble with the volume weighted average price and has to get something done they've got to reach at the end of the day they've been cute 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 all day long figuring you know there's been selling there that long tight consolidation says that, you know, a little bit of action on both sides, obviously, to keep that tight consolidation. And it's one of these, oops, I didn't, you know, didn't get enough, get aggressive, and in they go to Instanet or get an offering, get an offer, short offering from a, a, a one of the market makers, and they got to go in and take stock. Keep Looks like somebody might have had a little fun with a market maker here, no, Kevin? Yeah. They, yeah. they may, it may have been a market maker <laughs> short here. And Kevin can build on this better, but what happens is institutions who are running billions of dollars of money it doesn't make a difference to them if they pay up a point or two points or three points if they're long-term holders of the stock and if it makes maybe makes up a, a quarter one percent of the portfolio it doesn't make a difference and finally they get they get tired of people playing games and they say just buy the damn stock and that's when these things happen is that correct that's exactly correct yeah. when I that's when, when I, Kevin used to get cute and they'd just be screaming at him just get it right that's when Jeff was probably running ahead of me in all those orders. that's right <laughs> Reading when I when when I started when when trading markets started and I used to, I started reading Kevin's commentary I used to talk about the big elephants and you know you, you look at a big elephant uh, running through the jungle you know they just clear a path they don't care what you know and that's what this feels like when it's happening to you the heat of the moment you know they don't care about quarters and eights and halves they got to have it whether it's an institution that's got to have it or whether it's a market maker that's got to cover his short that he sold that he sold inventory or a combination of the two. It's dynamic. And at the end of the day, having been involved in the market making side of the business, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of these programs come in. And all of a sudden, you know, it could be uh, one of the major brokerage firms or what have you, and they got to get it done. So they're in there scrambling, giving their own name on level two, and they're not taking enough stock. Then they're in there and internet trying to take the stock. And that's what causes these explosions late in the day, in addition to normal, you know, buying and, and regular orders. And, a lot of times the brokerage firms don't know, the market makes don't even know they have a program order or program order meaning to buy maybe that specific stock in two or three and they've been sitting on it but it was uh, one of these couldn't get it done and, and all of a sudden explosions. That's why, you know, any tight consolidation that is, you know, not that it's, uh, I just call them Slim Jims just because it's easy to put a name on it, but, but uh, just tight consolidations and like, like we said the other day, two o'clock on in the afternoon, just sit there and scroll and look for them, right Jeff? Check this out. There's a second mouse here. I probably bought here. I don't remember. Probably got flushed out and disgusted. But if I didn't buy here, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really PO'd. Would you wait? Would you wait for the move over that the first move out, or would you go back out over the top of the slim gym? In other words, that's I'm the here. false breakout. Yeah. I'm buying here. Are you stopping? Not the first time, but the second time. Would yeah. you wait for it to go over the high of that first breakout? No, I'm buying. I'm, I'm probably buying right in here. Actually, that's exactly what. That's exactly where, where I, I like to be because it made the false breakout, but the whole top of the consolidation is lower, and and, and nothing, so, nothing wrong happened. It yeah. stopped people out, yeah. but you know it didn't come back and through the base. Right. Didn't do anything wrong. It looked like it was just a little fun and games. Yep. Oh, look, let's stop for a second. Take a couple of questions. Where would you sell it? Where would I sell it? Where would it be a seller? Yeah. Wherever you can, honestly. No, they're running up. So, to, to, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a scale-out seller. I'm buying at the market, but I'm a scale-out seller. 
when these things start skyrocketing like that, I'm probably t I'm taking a third and watching it real closely, target shooting, putting a price up there that I'm happening with two, three, four points, depending on the price of the stock, how, how crazy it gets, and then just watching it on, on the balance of the position. But yes, out at the end of the day. That's correct. I am out of the stock then because it hasn't done anything wrong, but there's, I, only have a, I only have two eyes and I'm looking for opportunity. That's opportunity cost to, to keep that and watch that all day. Because I don't put, I don't, I put, I use mental stops. I don't put uh, stops on the books. Jeff, hold on one second. I'm sorry, before we take any more questions, let's, um, let's open, I'm going to open this up with, for a Q&A with about 15 minutes to go, and that will be able to cover everything. But I know Jeff wants to cover a number of other things, so um, let's, let's move forward, and then we'll come back to everyone's questions. And then, of course, Jeff and Kevin will be here for the rest of the day to, um, to answer whatever you need. Right, guys? Well, I've got one. That was a, that was a good po point, what Jeff brought, brought out on that. On the, uh, if it, he, Jeff said he'd be out. Um, and, and on opportunity costs on to the next trade or what have you. And the, and, and the woman there said that, you know, if it, if it didn't go and you own the stock, would you stay with it? And to me, that's the same thing as getting stopped out. If it doesn't do it, you bought it because it's coming out of a tight pattern, it's supposed to go. And if it doesn't go within a short period of time, five, ten minutes or what have you, see you later, have a nice day, and get out, because that's the same thing as not doing anything yeah. with a momentum stock. Yeah. I know I said you, I know I said you want to be patient, but it's a double-edged sword. You know the market is a conundrum wrapped in a riddle. So you want to be patient, but there's opportunity cost involved. Yeah. Uh, this I think this is the last hot IPO thrust. Uh, you see another three-bar spurt um, when the market was bottoming at, uh, in early August. You see a test of the breakout of the explosion here, and what's interesting. Is here you can see where it's my it's my feeling that no stock makes a, a low unless it can bottom unless it hasn't made a a stock doesn't make a low um, there's no good low unless it unless it's held for three days let me put it that way um, so after this stock has basically held here this is uh, what Kevin calls kings and queens and I'll call an expansion range double stick see a large range down here, closing near the low, large range up here, kind of offsetting it. But I'll use what uh, O'Neill calls his follow-through day in stock. Any stock can move up two to three days against the trend. Once it starts moving more than that, something else may be going on. So what's interesting here is you had to move, once it's moved four days against the trend, look what happens on the fifth day. People think the trend is going to go up the stock is going to go up, maybe test the highs. It explodes this day. So after closing four days against the downtrend, the gap opened, suggested a possible trend day. Now, I don't know if it's going to go up here and test. I don't know if it's a resumption of the trend, but it's playable right here. So, so the previous four days, the, the market itself was down? The NASDAQ was down, you said? No, I'm talking about right here. Okay. I'm talking about the stock itself. Okay. In other words, you're familiar with the one, two, three, four daily setup? Here is a one, two, three, or one, two, three. Okay. It's a short setup here, but the stock is talking. It's gapping up, and it's not coming right back in. 
So I'm thinking possible trend day. Maybe they're short and here they're squeezed. They don't want to carry it for more than three days. Any stock can rally for three to, two to three to four days against the trend. So it's not. That tells me, you know, you can play from the long side. Shorts may be getting squeezed. Substantial move. But when it offsets that bar here, look what happens. It collapses. Yeah. This was a, a fake heat. This is what I call the do or die point. It's a do or die point. See here you had the three day, three to four day possible sell setup. Here you have a, um, a constructive pullback, potentially constructive pullback. And then it collapses. This gap down tells you Trouble City. It's all over and you're just going to go. The game is over. And you're going to go to another stock. And if you're not, if you're long, if you're, if you're a position trader and you're not long, you're a hedge fund or a money manager, and you're long here, you know you're out, you just gotta to try to sell strength, you wanna get out. Yeah. Well, you, you, you can't short IPOs, what is it, still 30 days, is it? You can't probably, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I was asking Matt yesterday, but you, you, you can't really short IPOs for, I, I think it's 30 days. I, I believe it is 30 days, so you really can't short these things. But, we can't do it at all, we're, we're, you know, we're Yeah, you're gonna to have to be able to borrow the stock and it, it makes it right. difficult. Jeff is more showing this on onto the long side where you're playing, taking these trades. And I think this is that fifth day up where you get the, that, remember that momentum gap up? Again, you don't need to know that, you know, you, you, you see the momentum gap. You don't want to really know that that's going to be a trend day, but you're thinking that way. But again, the long consolidation, kind of a cup and handle here. Um, you may have bought here on this uh, pivot. You don't really see much return. But again, as you get in late, late into the day, you get that, that payoff, the payoff play. Stock's done nothing wrong here, even though it didn't to see a lot of continuation. Done nothing wrong. Takes out the morning range, boom. Okay. And, and these patterns apply not only to IPOs, this is for everything. This is for everything. So, so oh, you're yeah. identifying the strength, you've identified the stock you want to follow, and then you're looking for these interday patterns to occur and waiting for them to, to go in the direction of the trend. I just, right I, just, the I just happen to keep some of these hot IPOs on the screen because they're juiced up. Yeah. But you can do these with any stocks. That's right. As long as they're strong, moving right. stocks. Okay. And here's a good example of what you want to do from the short side on an IPO that's failing. Here's what I call a triangle pendulum. You have a pivot out of a triangle, and as soon as it's offset, as soon as this breakout pivot is offset with a move below the breakout bar, it collapses. What's interesting though is you get that thrust, pause, and then continuation down. So this tells you that the stock's in trouble and good money managers that have a technical inclination know they're in trouble here. Tell you what uh, Jeff just pointed out and it's also, we talked yesterday about the lowest common denominator and padded anticipation. So with a Jeff's triangle, you have the initial high, you have a, set, a lower high, and then you have a third uh, high, which is lower than there. So right away you're saying, obviously, you know, there's a potential for this on the downside. Now the, the breakout bar, the big wide range, yeah, that's exactly a bar. So, you know, right off the get-go, below there, below that bar, why not enter, right? Yeah. Because you have three reversal bars, right from one, two, three, each one of them. Each You're making lower highs. So you yeah, and you take it before it goes out of the triangle, which Jeff did. Right. Uh, so it, what he he was anticipating, you know, that pattern to come out the downside. 
the world is going to try to short it out of the downside. And maybe, you know, in a, in a fast level, too, you're not going to get executed, at least where you hope to get executed, close to the you know, number. If you think in terms of, see, here you, have a, here you have a sell signal or a short signal. If you think in terms of signals and test of signals, you don't always get immediate gratification in the market. Otherwise, we wouldn't all be, you know, we'd all be calling in our trades from the French Riviera. They, they make you sweat a little. So you have, a, you have this signal, and it, it pauses here. And then you get your payoff. Yeah. And if you're wrong, you're stopping yourself out immediately. If they thrust it back up, you're, oh, you're, you're yeah. on immediately. Okay. That, that's like a, a double triangle pendulum. Okay. Duke, next one. 